wonderful week. Praise the Lord for being here tonight. I want you to pray, if you would, for a couple families. If you'd pray for Suzanne Sears. Um, Suzanne was taken back to the emergency room um, today at University of Michigan. She's having a lot of the same symptoms that she had back in December. And um, she's not able to um, um, even consider chemo or radiation right now because she's, her body hasn't healed from the surgery. And so all of her same symptoms, and she's been sitting in the emergency room since about 1.30, and they haven't even seen her yet. So uh, just pray for her uh, through this time. Also, if you would pray for uh, Linda Corbett. She had surgery as well, and pretty serious um, surgery. It was about a seven and a half hour or so surgery. And she is recovering and home and um, doing really well. Had a good, good uh, um, follow-up appointment today with her doctor. And so uh, we're thankful for that. And then if you'd pray for the Schweitzer family, the Schweitzer family, um, that, uh, this family was my wife's um, pastor growing up. She was her pastor until we got married. Um, and they found him dead in his sleep last evening. And so if you just pray, uh, he had some heart issues um, probably about a year or so ago, had surgery, but was doing well. Um, and so obviously pray for him, his church, and uh, his family, his several, several kids, uh, grown children. So pray for them, if you would, please. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We looked last week at being what? Anybody remember? What's the attitude we looked at last week? What is it? All I'm hearing is bleep, bleep, bleep. That's all I'm hearing. Nice and loud. Critical, critical. That's exactly right. Being critical. Being critical and looking at everything. Um, and some, some even think that's a spiritual gift. You know, I have the grip gift of criticism, but it's constructive criticism, and so I'm only trying to just put my opinion at times where it doesn't belong, and criticism, criticism destroys, criticism we looked at, that it is um, a petty many a times, and so like we've been talking for every week now, we look at a, we look at a spirit or a, um, an attitude that we have that we need to get rid of, but what happens if you just get rid of something and you don't replace it with something that needs the, uh, a positive, um, or let's even say replace it with something biblical, right? Not just something positive, but something biblical. Many times what happens is this, that, that spirit or that attitude that you had, we leave a void and it comes back. And so we need to fill that void with something um, that's biblical. And so this week we're going to look at what we ought to fill that critical attitude or that critical spirit with. And we're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, what do we call that? The what chapter? Love chapter. The love chapter. And we're going to look at verse number one. And let's just read, let's just read this this uh, entire chapter, all 13 verses of it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can, could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. That word charity there means love. Although I have love, if I 
If I possess all of these things, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, is kind. Charity envieth not, charity avaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. This is what charity or love rejoiceth in, not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. It beareth all things, love believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known, and now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. I am uh, speaking in the next couple weeks at a a marriage retreat, and and uh, my wife and I will be gone on a Friday evening for that, Friday and Saturday morning, and so I was studying through preparing for that, and, and obviously uh, one of the greatest chapters to go to in a marriage retreat is, is uh, uh, I would think, this chapter on charity or love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So I was studying for that, and then also um, studying for this series that we're, we're doing as well, and the Lord brought me to this passage of Scripture. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this, this, or a lot of this evening, just about love. Replacing, replacing our attitude of a critical spirit with a spirit of love. And, and I may reference, and, and maybe a little bit more tonight than normal, uh, a marriage relationship, and I'm just trying out my message for this marriage retreat on you this evening, okay? And so you let me know uh, how it helps us this evening. I'm going to make this statement. The followers of Jesus Christ ought to be the most loving people on earth. Would you agree with that statement? Matter of fact, let's go to Mark chapter 12. Would you turn over there with me? We're going to be in a few different passages of Scripture, so make sure you keep your Bibles open, keep your notebooks and your pens handy. I want you to write these things down. And um, if you don't want to go to the reference, mark it down. I'd encourage you to, at some other time this week, go back and study these references of scripture that we're going to look at this evening. But in the book of Mark, chapter number 12, in verse number 30, the Bible says this, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? All thy what? With all thy heart. This is how we are to behave toward the Lord. We're to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like this, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Jesus speaking here is telling the believer, the the one that is following him, the Christian, those in our case, the New Testament Christian, those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, someone that's born again. He is telling us this, that the greatest commandment, or what, what we ought to be following is that we're to love each other. 
See, it's very difficult to be critical towards someone that you love. It's very difficult to show criticism towards someone that you are, you are passionately fulfilling this commandment that the Lord left for us to follow. And so the followers of Jesus Christ ought to be the most loving people on earth. We ought to be known by how we love. Would you agree with that? And, and I'm not necessarily, I, I, I don't believe that we just live a Christian life and other people will see that and, and we just, people may get saved because they're seeing how we live. I think that we ought to be aggressive in soul winning and telling the gospel and giving the gospel. But I think our life ought to match what we say. And if we say this, that, that we speak about love and we talk about the love of Christ, but we live the opposite, what we're saying and what we're living, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't show what a Christian ought to be. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, uh, go back there if you would with me, and if we, if we turn to other passages of Scripture, keep your place in 1 Corinthians, we're going to continue to come back here all through this evening. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, think about this. If an angel came down and was going to speak with us this evening, how many of you would probably assume that was probably going to be the most elegant, fantastic speech that you've ever heard before? Like this angelic being that God is going to send. And, and, and the message is probably going to be so clear. The language is going to be so clear. Maybe, maybe somebody that, uh, a person that is just so eloquent in their speech, a, a man, but if, he, there's, if, if there's no charity, if there's no love in what they're saying, it just sounds like someone going over and just beating on a cymbal. If I had one up there this evening and I just, all I did was, was beat on that this evening and tried to speak over it, you would say, whatever you're saying, we can't hear because there's this annoying sound. And the Christian here in, in Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church. Now, let's put in perspective what's happening in the Corinthian church. Paul is teaching this church to correct this church. They are saved. But they thought this, well, we'll get saved and we'll just continue to live whatever life we're already living. And there was a lot of sin that was happening within the church at Corinth. And Paul was addressing it and saying, now that you're saved, there ought to be a, 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 a signature about you or something different about how you're living. And that is the, the way that you love, the way that you deal with people. And so um, uh, I, I want you to write this down, if you would, please. All truth, we're, we're going to talk about, I want to talk about this evening Love and also truth. And, and, and I want to make this statement. All truth and no love is brutality. All truth and no love, it's brutal. You never know anybody, you know what? I know it doesn't feel good, but it's a truth. And that's, the way, that's just the way it is. I, I've, I've learned this with raising four girls. You don't raise four girls like you raise a boy. Four girls, they, they like to be loved, and they like to be cuddled, and they like... It's not just like, you know what, because I'm dad, that's why. Your hair looks ugly that way. Just go back up and redo it. It may look ugly, but that's not what you tell a little girl, even if it looks bad. I think your hair looks beautiful this evening. 
how's my dress? I, uh, you know, they start, they start wearing, picking their own clothes out. You know, that age you can start to tell when they start picking their own clothes out. And dad, how do I look? You look ridiculous. I'm just being truthful with you. That's what you expect out of me. I'm your father. Truth is brutal. Truth is brutal if it's not, if it's not combined with love. So often, if we're not careful, we deal with people and we think because I'm being truthful with them, then they should just accept it. It doesn't matter what I say, how I say it. If you don't accept it right, it's your fault, not mine. And that's not what the Bible's saying here in 1 Corinthians 13. You can have, you can have the gift of prophecy. You can understand all mysteries. You can, you can speak like an angel would speak. You, you, can, you can have all faith that you're, you can remove mountains. And if you have not charity... I am nothing. I think Christians ought to really take note to this and take heart to this as we're dealing with people. As we're dealing with people in our home. As we're dealing with fellow Christians. We, I don't think that we ought to pride ourselves as I'm always, listen, I live truth. I don't care what anybody else thinks. This is the way it is. I'm not saying that we ought to not live truth. What the Bible's saying, though, is this. We ought to live truth, but we ought to have love with that truth. When we deal with people. First John 4.16 is a really great verse, and it says this. God is love. If you want to behave like God, you know how you would behave? In love. Now, God is always, everything that obviously God says is truth. And if a person uh, um, um, dies in their sins, you know what? There is going to be a wrath that God is going to uh, bestow upon that person. And they are, going to, they are going to be in hell for all eternity if they die without Jesus Christ. But God in his love, for God so loved the world, what did he do? He offered his son, Jesus Christ. The truth is this, if you reject him, you spend eternity without him. But if you accept that love that he shows, you get eternity with God. And that love that God is, is not some lustful love. It's not a sexual love. It's agape love. And agape love, it views love as a decision, as a choice, as an act of my will. Agape love, the, God, the love that we as Christians are supposed to behave like in, 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 in being like God would be this, it's an act of my will, it's, it's a decision as my choice. I want to, I choose to, I accept you for who you are. Listen, sometimes we only love people that are lovable. How many of you, it's easy to love lovable people? How many of you have to try really, really, really hard to love mean people or people you don't like? Hopefully it's not the person next to you. <laughs> it's easy to love, lo love lovable people but we as Christians, we make the choice. It's a decision. It's an act of my will. And, and that would mean this, you before me. You before me. Real love is you before me. Real love is, is Michelle, you before me. Now, we, we would have to admit this. That's difficult. 
even in, in the relationships where, where in a marriage relationship or in parenting, many a times I want you to behave so I benefit. I want my kids to behave so I look good. I, I don't want anything said that would just ruin my reputation as a dad. So you better behave. She's looking at me like, I'm not ever going to be in here. This is what she gets for being sick tonight. But this agape love that, that Paul is speaking of, that, that 1 John is speaking of, it's a you before me. It's a you before me. And I want you to think about that this evening. The greatest message ever heard without love is worthless. It's nothing. Verse 1, the greatest message, it's nothing. It means nothing. I, I, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 119. The psalmist is, is going to see, I want you to see what the psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse number 126. He's speaking of, of people, and his attitude toward the people uh, would be this. Psalm 119, 120, 126. He's speaking to the Lord, and what does he say? It is time for thee, Lord, to work. For thy have made, they have made uh, void thy law. What is he saying? Go get them, God. It's time. Deal with them in truth. They know better and they're, 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 they need to be dealt with. God, deal with those that need to be dealt with. Isn't it ironic at times we want God to deal with others that hurt us or behave wrong. We want him to deal swiftly with them. But when it's us, it's like, Lord, you know, you know I love you. Show me some compassion. In just, in just a few verses later, 10 verses or so later, I want you to see the difference that this psalmist has toward others. He says this in verse, one, uh, verse 136. Rivers of waters run mine eyes because they kept not thy law. A very different attitude of God get them. And now the difference would be the love and the compassion he has now for those now he's looking at them and he's saying, God, it's bringing remorse. It's bringing hurt to me. And, and this is what love, love changes how you see people, how you view people. And so Psalm, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the message that Paul is speaking to the New Testament church here in Corinth and to us this evening is this, a message must be done in love in order to help someone. Listen, you can have truth all day, but if you want to help someone, you have to have love as well. Truth and love. Absolute truth in the hands of an absolute sinner can be become absolutely brutal. Sometimes if we're not careful, if we don't, if we don't, bathe truth in love sometimes we even use truth to our advantage to defend to, to offend i'm just telling you the truth you ever say that to someone i'm just telling you the truth you might not like it i'm just telling you the truth we can disguise truth as a weapon when we don't use it with love there are some things in a, in a, in a, in a marriage relationship that, that has to be discussed, that has, has to be dealt with. 
that has to be the, the, to, 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 to deal with. It may be conflict. It may be something that we, we just have to deal with because if we don't deal with this and, and, and have truth in there, lack of truth doesn't build relationships either. And so every relationship has to have truth. But if every time, even if I was using truth, if every time I addressed my wife with a situation, even using truth, and it was done in the wrong spirit, it can wound a relationship even though it's true. How many of you love to hear truth when it's given in a negative way? It's hard to swallow, isn't it? I saw a... a Guy, he took two Oreo cookies and he took the cream out. He ate it, the, the, uh, the cream out, and he put toothpaste in it instead and, and put that Oreo cookie back together, and it looked like an Oreo cookie. What's that? I don't know. I don't know, but I know he then gave it to a friend, and that friend took a big bite of that, that cookie that he thought was a cookie, and it was full of toothpaste. And sometimes, sometimes how we give, many a times, most of the time I'll say, how we give truth, it can be accepted if we do it in love. Absolute truth in the hands of an absolute sinner can be an absolutely brutal experience. In 1 Corinthians 13, 2, he says, as though, as I, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, have not love, what's it say? Nothing. If I know everything, if I'm like just the, a walking, walking encyclopedia, I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I don't have love, I'm nothing. Listen, your, your worth, your, your, your help in a relationship is not always how much you know. It's what you do with what you know. So many, so many people are wounded. So many children are wounded because it's not that the parents aren't giving them truth, but how they're doing it, they're taking love out. So many, so many marriages are hurting and it's not because it's lacking truth, but it's lacking love in speaking the truth. Sometimes it's, I, I, I know truth, and I just, I'm, I'm right. And, and I'm just going to win an argument because I'm right. Listen, you might win an argument, but you might ruin a relationship because you might be truthful, but you didn't argue with love, and you lost that argument. You've lost that relationship. You've lost that attempt to, to witness to someone. You deal at work, and, 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 and maybe, maybe in, in your working relationship, you know, sometimes, sometimes we don't always just have to be right and show that we're right. It's how we're right, and how we show that we're right is what's going to win us that opportunity then to be able to share the gospel with somebody. You know, a know-it-all, somebody that knows everything and somebody that shows it and somebody that's right with everything, and that's the, the persona they give to everybody they work with, then, then, then try to tell somebody about Jesus in the break room. Nobody's going to want to deal with you. A husband without love, 
You know, it's saying here in, in verse number two, I, I am nothing. And, and I know that's difficult, but, but think about this. A husband or a wife without love, it doesn't mean, well, I'm a, uh, a, a plus would be this. I'm, I, I'm truth with love. And, 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 and knowing everything and doing it in love means I'm an A plus husband. Well, I, I'm, 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 I don't do everything in love. I know everything, but I don't always do it in love. It doesn't then make you a B plus husband. It makes you nothing. Doesn't make, make a, 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 a parent that, that doesn't show love. You know, it's just something I need to work on. So, okay, I'm not an A-plus parent because I don't show the love like I need to show. Uh, but but I, I'm okay being a C parent. No, it's not even that you're less of a grade. The Bible says this, you're nothing. Without love, you're nothing. Pastor, there, there's a lot of messages that a, a pastor could preach. But, you know, if a pastor doesn't do it in love, then the message might be truth. But the message without love is nothing. It's nothing. I knew an evangelist one time. He, he, um, he was known for this. He blows in, blows up, and blows out. That's what he actually says. Like, why a guy would have an evangelist that describes himself that way, I don't know. And he described, he said, I went in and, and this pastor um, uh, said to me, Oh, I'm driving to, he picks me up at the airport, he's driving me to the church, he says this, listen, as a, as a, um, as a pastor, I'd ask that you not preach on these things. And the evangelist says, what are those things? And he said, let me, let me, let me take a pen out, and, and he's telling the story. The pastor says, I, I don't want you preaching on these, these things. These are just things that I just feel maybe they're my responsibility. I just don't want somebody else coming in and preaching on them. I want to preach on these things. And she says, well, hold on. He's driving the car. Let me write these things down. Let me, I, I, I want to, and, and the pastor gives them. He says, well, let me get, make sure I got these straight. And he repeats them back to the pastor. This isn't a story. This, this is a true story. And the pastor says, okay, great. I, I, I got these seven. We're, we're on the same, yeah, we're on the same page. He said this. He says, I put my pen back in my pocket, and I took the paper, and I put it in my stuff. And I said, great, I'm going to be preaching on those seven things. Pastors would, uh, what do you mean? He said, just because you told me not to, I'm going to. And I'm thinking to myself, if that was me, I'd, I'd, I'd say, wonderful. I'd do a U-turn. <laughs> I'd drop him back off the airport. And I'd say, have a nice life. For whatever reason, that pastor didn't do it. And he went in and he blew up the church, he said. I, I, I never, I'd never let someone come into our church and speak in anger. Speak in just, you, you, you. I think there's some messages that a pastor has a right to tell an uh, evangelist or a guest speaker. I don't want you dealing with these messages. You know why? Because there's no one that's going to have a love for his people like the pastor's going to have love for his people. There are certain topics that I'm going to speak about with my children, to my children, that I don't want another person speaking to my children on. You know why? Because there's no one that's going to love my children in those areas like I am or my wife will. There's tr is it truth? Yes, it's truth. But how it's given is so vitally important. 
there are some things that maybe my wife or I, with my wife, we know, hey, let's work on these things. I don't want Scott to go tell my wife the things that she needs to work on. You know why? Because there weren't, they may be truth, but they're not going to be given in the love that I'm going to give it. And because of that, then I ought to respect and cherish and, 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 and thank God that there is a relationship that I have that I'm the one that can speak love and truth into that relationship and something positive come out of that relationship. The Bible says this, if you don't, we're nothing. Now, how do we know? How do we know if we're all truth? Now, I'm going to give you some things. I will be just totally honest with you. The Lord took these things and just ripped me apart. Because I am one that says, well, it's the truth. You choked on it. That's your fault. And sometimes I don't even realize I'm doing it. How do you know if you're all truth? How do you know if you're all truth? And, 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 and listen, if, you have a rela- if you're in a relationship, if you have children... I don't care how old they are, even if they're adult children, if you have grandchildren, if you, if you speak to anybody, if you speak to any other human being, would you please get these things down? How do I know if I'm all truth? How, and, and, and so what I mean by that is, how am I lacking, if, how do I know if I'm lacking love if it's all truth? Number one is this, if you deal with passive resistance, not people refusing you to your face. And what I mean by that is this, people are afraid to deal with you. There's a situation in your home and your wife is afraid to talk to you about it because she knows she's not afraid that you're not going to tell truth. It's how you speak. It's when your children so desperately want to come and speak to their parents, but they can't because of the way you handle it. And it's not that they think that you're going to deal with it uh, with, with lies or it's an integrity issue. What they're afraid is this, that when they come to you for help, you're not going to handle it in love. And so what do they do? They refuse to come to you. You see, a person that has all the truth but doesn't have the love eventually won't have an avenue to give the truth out because nobody wants to listen. You're all truth, but your answers have no love. You know what your problem is? Again, you know what I've learned even with teenagers? Sometimes, sometimes they don't have to have it so brutally given to them as we think they need it. And I didn't, listen, I didn't say minimize truth. I didn't say compromise and cover up sin. I'm saying there's sometimes some actions, it is, it's, it's, it's better when an arm is put around somebody, when, when love is shown, when compassion is shown, when, when the relationship is, 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 is bred in love, that you can say truth. But if you say, how do I know if, there, if I'm one that it's all truth and no love? When people stop coming to you, you say, why did, why did my child go to so-and-so instead of coming to me? 
Why did my wife go to so-and-so? Why did my husband go? Why, 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 do, my, why, why do my employees not come to me? Why, why do my uh, 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 fellow workers, why, do, why does it seem like I know what to tell them? Why does it seem like, no, oh, because they don't want to hear the truth. No, because they don't want to deal with a person that doesn't have love. Number two, would you write this down? If, how do I know if I'm all truth? If, if people say you don't listen. You know, when you love someone, you know what you learn to do? You learn to listen. If not, I'm nothing. How about those that every time you try to speak, they, they cut you off before you're done and they answer your question. They finish your question. They didn't even hear you out. You're all truth. But when it comes to listening, you know what love shows? I sit quiet long enough to hear what you're saying. You, you hear what you want, not what they're saying. Somebody says that, that they, they say something and you hear what you want to hear, but you don't listen to what they're saying. And you respond in what you want, but you didn't take the time and love enough to listen. So many relationships are hurt, whether it's in the workplace, in church, with, 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 with coworkers, with children in the home, with our friends, because we just don't choose to listen. I would ask you this question, what's more loving than listening? What could be more loving than listening? That's a good one. But you know, sometimes my wife, I, I like that, um, we, we saw a marriage commercial for a marriage retreat and, and this, this woman had a, had a nail in her head. I mean, it was, it was this big. And um, how many of you have seen this? And she sits down on the couch and she's like, babe, I, I've got this headache. And he says, you, you, you've got a nail. She says, there you go again. And, and, and then she gets into this, like, just telling him this story about her, and, and he's interrupting, and, and she's upset because you just won't listen. And, and she's like, you know, I'm, I, I, every sweater I have has a pull in it every time I go over my head. I just don't understand what the problem is. And, and she's sitting on the couch, and, and he's like, I got the answer. And the whole part of it was this. Sometimes you don't have to give the answer. Sometimes you just need to listen. You just need to listen. And a great way to show someone you love them is listening to what they say. Number three, would you write this? If you pride yourself on realism. You know you're all truth if you pride yourself on, I'm a realist. I tell it like it is. You know me. Listen, I'm one of those people. I will tell you, if you want to know, they come to me because they know I'm going to tell it like it is. No, they don't come to you. Hard or not, I just say it. Sorry. You know how I am. You know all truth, but you are lacking love. Number four, would you write this down? If people who disagree with you have to separate from you. You're all truth. There's so many relationships that are broken. If you don't agree with me, if you don't take my advice, or if you don't see it how I see it, then I can't be your friend. 
I don't talk to Pete. I don't talk to, to so and so anymore because, man, I try to tell them and they just don't want to hear it. Number five, would you write this down? If you're arguing with me right now in your own heart. No, not because you're disagreeing with me, is because some of us, when things are exposed, we don't like to hear it. Because it makes us seem that we're worse than we want to see ourselves as. Would you write this down? Uh, Roman numeral two, I think I'm on. So it could be all truth and no love, and then, and then all love and no truth. It's hypocrisy. All love and no truth, it's hypocrisy. It, it, it's not real. You, we're just going to all get along. As long as we love each other. Well, well, you can love all day long, but if truth isn't in that, then it's hypocrisy. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, I'm doing a great thing. I'm giving, I'm giving everything away. I mean, how much more? If I'm going to give things away to feed the poor, I must love. I mean, that's got to be an act of love. And, 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 and I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and I, though I give my body to be burned, I mean, what more could I give than myself? I mean, that's love. I'm giving all the, I'm feeding everybody, I'm giving everything away. And he says this, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. If I give all that I have, if I give up my body to be burned, but I refuse to stand for truth, if I refuse to stand, I'm nothing. If I'm just somebody that wants to tell people what they want to hear, I'm nothing. You see, so love, love that holds to the truth, it's biblical love. It's always love and always truth. And listen, what, what, what Paul is showing us is, is this. It's always truth and love. It's never one or the other. It's, a, it's both. We don't speak just in love and we withhold truth because that profits nothing. We don't just have truth and not love because that profits nothing. And so what's, what is it? It's, it's truth in love. In verse number 6, I'm going to skip down a few and we may came back, come back up a little bit. But look with me in verse number 6. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in what? The truth. Love, charity, it rejoiceth not in sinful things. It doesn't rejoice in, in bad. It doesn't rejoice in bad behavior. It doesn't rejoice in, in being a pushover. It doesn't rejoice in not having any rules. It, it, it doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Love rejoices when it's combined with truth. That's when love is at its greatest, when you have them together. Love in itself, does it's hypocrisy. Uh, uh, um, uh, truth in itself is brutal. Love rejoiceth when it's com uh, combined with truth. Are you with me? I would say this. Most of us then, as we get rid of a critical spirit and we look at having a loving spirit, then we also need to learn on what we need to spend our time on. Have you ever spent your time and said after it was all over, that was a waste of my time. Have you ever argued about something? And when you're all through arguing, nobody won, 
and you look back and you say, what was I even arguing about? That was a waste of time. There are some things that's worth it, and that would be this. And I want to give you a few thoughts on this. Things that are worth dealing with in love and truth. It's something I do right now. How, how do I know if I need to deal with things now? How do I need to, how do I need to know? Because, as I said, some things, some things I think this, they're just, it's not worth dealing with. There are some things about my marriage. There are some things about Michelle. There are some things about me. It's not worth dealing with. God didn't make me, well, we're one flesh, and, and we need to think like each other and act like each other. And, and, and it's always funny with the person that's saying this. It's because they're saying, what they're really saying is, we're one flesh. You now need to act like me and think like me. That doesn't, it doesn't help for a healthy relationship. There's some things, there are some things that my wife does that annoys me to no end. Yeah. It annoys me when she sleeps on the couch. I'll give you one. And it's not going to change, and we're okay with it. I'm okay with it. Our coffee pot is in our dining room. In our dining room, we move some things around, and, and eventually we're going to get to putting some, some uh, hardwood floors in there. But right now, my wife wanted our dining room and our living room and our living room and our, I don't know how all it works. We just have, we have a dining room table on carpet right now. And we have a coffee pot in the dining room on carpet. But the cups, the cups of the coffee pot are in the kitchen. And so if I want coffee, I've got to go in and I've got to get a coffee cup out of the kitchen cabinet. I walk back into the other room. Kitchen, I think the coffee pot ought to be in the kitchen next to the coffee cups. The coffee pot is in the dining room. I go in with the coffee cup to go to the coffee pot. I take the coffee pot. I go to, I go to fill the coffee pot with coffee, and she says, ah, 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 no, no, no. We don't pour coffee over the carpet. Okay. I'll take the coffee pot and the cup back into the kitchen. I'll pour my coffee into my coffee pot in the kitchen. I'll go back into the dining room and put the coffee pot back into where the coffee pot is in the dining room, and I come back in to get my coffee, and my coffee's cold. <laughs> because of all of this. I think this, why don't we take the coffee pot and put it right underneath of where the coffee cups are? And we'll have a fresh cup of coffee. Hot. God forbid you want cream and Splenda. They're in two different places as well. The cream is in the kitchen over on this side. The Splenda is in a cabinet across, across the kitchen from the coffee cups. And some of you guys are thinking, well, you're in trouble. No, you know what? I'm okay with it. I like iced coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, listen, so many people will argue about the most ridiculous thing 
hurt relationships, hurt marriages, hurt friendships. Why? Because if that makes sense to her, I don't care. I don't care. I think this, we need to have love. And there are times, though, there are times that we have to deal with things. How do we know? How do we know if they're major things? Number one is this, if, if, if it's something worth dealing with, how many of you would agree with me, and I hope that you would agree with me, how, much, how many of you men would agree with me, that's not worth fighting over? It's not worth fighting over. I don't care. But there are some things that we have to deal with in love and truth. If I try to deal with that situation in love and truth, I'm going to lose. But there are some things that you have to deal with. You can't just say, okay, that's the way it is. And that would be this. Number one, it would be this. This situation, it's, this is a critical path. It's a doctrinal error. It's abusive behavior. It's a marital unfaithfulness. Those are things you just can't, well, I'm just going to let that happen. I'm going to just let those things. Those things, it's critical. Where I'm allowed to pour my coffee, where I'm allowed to drink my coffee, where I get my cream from, it's not critical. Don't make it critical. But marital unfaithfulness, abusive behavior, doctrinal error, those things are critical and those things have to be addressed immediately. But they have to be addressed with love and truth. Why? Because love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. See that? Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Love cannot be in a place where iniquity abounds. Love rejoice, it rejoiceth with truth or in truth. Not, number two, true would be this, not only if it's a critical path, it would be this, if it's a chronic problem, if it's something, if it's a problem that just won't, won't stop, it, it's, it's not a, not a one-time thing. It's not something that, you know, one-time thing, you fly off the handle, you, you make a big commotion. We're not talking about like a one-time thing. If, 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 if one of my kids are doing something and, and they, did it, they did it once and it wasn't a, 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 um, um, a chronic problem, I wouldn't deal with them as much as I would deal with it if it was a chronic problem. If, if, if I have a child that lies to me, the reality is this, as a parent, I'm going to deal with a child that, that is going to lie at one point. And when I deal with that, it might not be as harsh in such a way that I might deal with a child that, that is chronically lying to me. We, we had a child years ago, I don't remember what, when it was, but they, they were signing their own homework pad. And it's not that they weren't doing their homework. They were doing their homework and signing their homework pad. Every night. I, and, 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 and it wasn't that we wouldn't do it. It wasn't that, did you get your homework signed? Yeah, I got it signed. She signed it herself. And she went to school and she, it, it was like this, I, I can't explain it. It was just, she was lying and she was getting away with it and it was becoming a, a, just a, a chronic thing. We dealt with her very firmly. We dealt with her very promptly, when we saw that this problem became a chronic problem, we had to deal with it. It was a major issue. We, we deal with things in truth and love. If it, 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 it's going to, 
If it's going to happen, if it's happening all the time, we've got to fix this chronic problem. And number three, how do we know if it's a major thing in our life and we need to deal with it? If it's not something that's not critical, if it's not something that's not chronic, but maybe it's in close proximity. And, th and that, what I mean by that is this, um, um, you can't make it, you, you can't, your, your home, I, I'm not going to deal with something in my neighbor's home. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight about something going on in my in-law's home. You, you, you think my wife is crazy with that car, but you ought to know some things my mother-in-law does. I don't fight about it. I don't care. You, 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 listen, do you know how many people fight over in-law stuff? Why? It, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a critical problem. It's not a chronic problem. It's not in your proximity. And you, 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 you get bent out of shape over what other people are doing, and it causes problems in a relationship. This is the truth. If you have a preference in your home that's different than my preference, I don't care. That's why you never hear me get up here and start preaching on preferences. Because if it's now, if it's a biblical thing, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. But if you send your kids to bed at eight o'clock and we send our kids to bed at nine o'clock, one's not a better parent. If you let your kid watch you know, some cartoon, and I don't, if it's not a biblical issue, I, it's not my place. We, we don't need to get involved. We don't even have to add love or truth to something that's not in our proximity. If Steve wants to have Taco Tuesday every Tuesday, I don't care. But, and I know that's silly, but so often, listen to me, so often we, we want to put our opinion or our truth and maybe even truth and love in somebody else's business that it's not ours to get involved in. The truth is this, I have enough in my own proximity to deal with than somebody else's. I have enough problem raising five kids than me trying to raise somebody else's. I, 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 have, a, I have enough problems with my wife. I'm the, no, I've, we have a wonderful marriage. <laughs> that went too far. That went too far. Why do I have to deal with it, though, if it's in my proximity? Because this is the thing, though. I can't make anything easy in my family, in my home, for them to sin. And so if it's in my home, I need to deal with it because I don't want anything in my home to make it easy for myself, my wife, or my children to sin. It's happening under your roof. It's your responsibility. You have to deal with it. And there's never a time in our life that we ought to applaud something that could hurt our marriage or our children. And so if it's in my proximity, I have to deal with it. James 1.20 says this, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. This is, the, the, James is saying, you know, you can get angry about things and you can, you can get mad about things. And, and your, your, your anger and your wrath in dealing with something, it, it doesn't work the righteousness of God. God deals with people with truth and with love. And so should, so should we as Christians. Look back with me in verse number 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. You know what love is there? Love is gracious, love is kind, love is not selfish. And listen, I won't be aroused to anger if I don't get my way. How many of us have ever been aroused to anger because we didn't get our way with something? Love, love is not, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you get aroused to anger 
when you don't get your way, when you're not agreed with, when things don't happen the way you want them to happen. Listen, love, we, we ought not deal with things. Anytime you are motivated by hurt to deal with an action, you're going to hurt other people. And I would say this, and, and understand my statement with this, when you put things in perspective, most things aren't major. Most things in your life aren't major. But if we're not careful, we'll handle everything like it's major. Because either I'm hurting, or I'm frustrated, or I didn't get my way. And when we get to the place where we handle everything like it's major, we're going to hurt. You know what? I, I learned this. I wish I would learn this a long time ago. It, and I don't know if I'm, I've, I fully have learned this. But we don't have to deal with things right away just because we are right. There are some things that you can mark down. I, I, I just had this conversation with my son. And I said, son, you don't have to like, you don't have to let everything frustrate you. You don't have to let everything, you don't have to deal with everything as soon as the moment it comes up. Because sometimes we're not ready to deal with people with love and truth because we're frustrated. And you know what, there are some things, there are some things that later on, my, my, my wife will say to me sometimes, you know, I was thinking about this. And she'll mention something. I was thinking about this with, with you and... So when, when did you think about that? Today? Actually, no, it was a couple months ago I was thinking it. And I think about that and how she would deal with that, and I think, boy, there's such wisdom there, because in a couple months, a couple months ago, if she would have dealt with me on that, even though she did it in love and even though she would have done it with truth, I probably would have been really offended. Wisdom says, you know what, I don't have to deal with something all the time immediately if it's not something major, there might be a better time to deal with it with love and in truth. If you want to deal with people because of your anger, not because of God's righteousness, it's probably not a good thing to deal with people. And then, and then lastly, let me, let me say this in closing. Um, how, do we, how do we deal with minor things at times? So we know how to deal with major things. If there's something major, it's got to be dealt with. It's got to be dealt with immediately. But how do we deal with minor things? Sometimes it's just simply acceptance. Sometimes it's just simply acceptance. You don't have to win every preference. You don't have to have everything your way. Sometimes you just have to accept minor things. And that is love and truth. Coffee pot. It's not worth sleeping on the couch over. It, 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 it's, it's just not worth it. And so there are some things in my life I'm just going to simply accept. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, just a page or two over. Would you go there quickly for me and read this with me? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all things be done with love. Charity. Let all things be done with charity, with love. 
Go back to verse number four, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost home. I'm sliding into home here. This is what charity looks like. This is what charity does. This is what love does. It suffereth long. It's kind. It envieth not. It vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. It, 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 you know what? It, it actively shows kindness. Love actively shows kindness. Love is not jealous. You know what we need to do? We need to be happy for people when God blesses people. Instead of being jealous of what they have and what I don't have. Love says, you know what? I'm glad you have that. And also, though, it also doesn't brag. Love says, I'm happy for you that you have that. And love also says this, I'm not going to brag that I have what you don't. You see, it's kind. Love isn't arrogant. Truth can be arrogant. Truth can come across arrogant, but when you add love to it, it takes truth and it tempers it and it shows kindness. And look with me in verse 7. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And verse number 7 just tells us this. In all things is love. The, 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 way, the way for a person to re recover from having a critical spirit is that they have a spirit of love. And when I deal with people, I'm always dealing with people in love. But I'm also always dealing with people in truth. Truth can hurt. Truth can wound. Love is hypocrisy. Walk all over me. Truth and love is biblical. Learn what the major things are and respond with truth and love in the major things. Learn what the minor things are. And some of those things we just need to accept. And in that, we have the relationships that God desires for us as Christians to have. Father, thank you for your work.